Welcome to On the Edge with Eddie, detangling our black identities. I am your host, Eddie Etty. I am, again, super excited for you to be joining our journey to explore all the different shades of black identities, have real conversations and discussions. Our conversations and stories and discussions are not meant to degrade, discourage, or prove a point. Exploring our Black identities, it's all about learning, empowering, giving a voice to people, and maybe, you know, at times be a voice for the people who don't feel comfortable speaking out. Hashtag, not all Black people are the same. Well, today we're talking about all things Black in America. We're talking about Black folks from the Deep South, Black folks in Iowa, Black folks from New York, Black folks from California, and I cannot have any better individual than Coranda Akuli, my adopted Ghanaian sister. Um, again, a little quick story about Coranda and how we met. So Coranda, um, well, we both work at the University of our um, hospital, and every day, I'll be walking to my team meeting and I'll see this fine girl walking towards me and she had this short, uh, short hair, curly. And y'all, I have a thing for short, curly hair with a red tent, right? And she was one of those people with a red tent and she'd be always walking with someone. And I was always afraid to say something because I'm like, what if I get slapped by her boyfriend? But you know what? Finally, I got a courage to walk up to her one day and I was like, hi. And I mean, that was it. We clicked. <laughs> and from there on, we have been like, you know, like best buds, you know, siblings. Um, she's a little bit older than me, but a couple months. So she's my older sister. And I uh, gave her a Ghanaian name. Her name is Aku. Sister Aku, welcome to On the Edge with Eddie, Detangling Black Identities. Your smile, I mean, if you guys can see your smile, I mean, it is just beautiful. What's going on? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate all of the love. It has been amazing. Um, that is so funny about how we met because I absolutely remember seeing you every morning. Yep, we 7.30. Hall, <laughs> yep. And <laughs> one morning it was just like, good morning. And that right. was it. Yep, yep. <laughs> I know, it was crazy though. I mean, I, I, I don't know. So I don't know what it was, but I was intimidated by you, right? And what? I don't know why I was intimidated. I don't know if it was just like, you know, like how you carried yourself. Um, and I don't know if it was my insecurities, but like, I was like, oh my God, that girl's so fine, right? I'm, I'm like, I, so I have to confess, there are times that like, I intentionally wait because I know you park your car and then you'll be walking down the hall. So I'll intentionally wait. So that way 
I will like delay so I can take like a longer peek of when you're walking towards me. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, comes I out. introduce myself. I have to say something, right? Um, you know, she looks like someone that I will be really good friends with. Uh, but I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why I was like so scared to approach you. I, I don't know. Um, sure, but but I, again, I, I'm so it, glad you did. Yeah. No. No. I, I'm so glad I did too. But I don't know. Maybe it's the African in me, or I, I don't know what it was. Oh but. come on! Are you trying to say you're shy, sir? I am very shy. I am no. extremely shy. What? <laughs> yes. Extroverted no. introverts, then. Right. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm one of those like. Um, I guess I'm an introvert uh, embodied in an extroverted shell or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, so either way, I am so I am so glad um, I said hi because again, it was just that first hi, and then yep. that was it. And then come to yep. find out, our offices were like down the hall. Yeah, <laughs> like we weren't we were in that far from each Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I would pass your office every day and didn't even know it. Yep. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's crazy. So in a, a little bit about yourself, um, again, you got your Bachelor of Arts over in, in psychology um, yeah. uh, from uh, St. Leo University, and then you do your master's program in program management um, mm -hmm. Colorado State University. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been you went from like a program coordinator to a program manager, um, even to now you're um, in charge of like the, I think, neurology. Um, um, is it the neurology uh, residence program over at VCU? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but before you get you got here and before we go into sort of like, you know, the different blacks around the United States, yeah. tell us a little bit about, you know, what was it like for you growing up? Um, you know, what parts of the United States did you grow up at? And you know, what was it like just growing up as a beautiful black woman like yourself? Well, thank you very much, first of all. Um, so I am um, from Virginia originally. Mm -hmm. um, and the part of Virginia I grew up in is really country. Um, <laughs> there weren't many black people outside of my family um, in the little area that I grew up in. So just as an example, when I was in elementary school, I was one of five, five black children in the school. Oh, wow. wow. Right? Which was very hard <laughs> growing mm, up. Right. Um, most of the, uh, so we grew up near the water. Most of the other black people grew up at uh, the other side of the county, which was further up the county. So I didn't really see black people in school until I was in middle school. Um, Growing up was, I don't know, I never really thought too much about being like the only black person in school. I mean, I was aware of it, but because I had my family. So the other kids in the school were my family. They were my brother right. yeah. and my cousins, right? And then my next door neighbor who was like family. Yeah. So in the South, everybody is your cousin, okay? Yep. <laughs> so everybody black is your cousin. Right. <laughs> some kind of way. So my neighbor was what we considered my cousin. She was like one of my cousins. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we were definitely aware that there weren't other black people, um, but it didn't really affect us too much because we were, had each other's back, so to speak. Yeah, yep. Um, one of the things that I did know was that there were certain white people that had no problems with letting you know they didn't like black people. Right. And that's one thing that I've always appreciated about the South. Yeah, yep. Um, it's not hidden. 
it's not, it is definitely in your face, right? Yep. <laughs> you know oh, who yeah. likes oh, yeah. yep. from the start, right? Right. So that was one of the things that I think I noticed as a kid, um, like right off the bat, which is weird now that I think about it as an adult, right? Mm. Right. Like, know that there's certain people's homes you didn't go to. Like, right. I had little white friends in school, but I didn't go to their house. Right, right. Yep. Right. And they didn't come to mine. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, we were friends in school and that's just kind of what it was. Yeah. So, you know, going from elementary school to middle school, seeing more black people, it was like a culture shock. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> black <laughs> people in the county. Because when you're you don't know right yep and then going from middle school to high school where there are even more black people I was like okay you know you kind of you know find your group and you find your niche and um it was it was okay you know just growing up in the south is very different I think I think you don't really realize it until you leave and come back right yeah it's crazy because like, again, this is, this is the United States that we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you were born in the South, you grew up in the South. Um, and to think that in the South, where a lot of people think that, you know, that's where a, a lot of Black folks are, you mm -hmm. were one out of five Black kids in the whole elementary school, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, growing up, you get into a space that you see more Black people and it's like, oh, dang, right? A again, I, I draw a parallel because, you know, for me, you know, I came from Ghana with all Blacks to a white. And again, when I was, you know, in the school, I was one of the very small number of um, mm -hmm. Blacks in that school, right? You know, and that's in Iowa. And yep. I'm thinking, wait, are there even Black people here, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so how did that, how did that transition for you? Uh, like, you know, when you got into like high school, um, and you know, was it, was it a difference, um, when you got into high school, what was it, what was it like transitioning from sort of being one of the few black people in a deep down South to like a space that there's more, you see more black people and you interact with more black people. Um, what was that like? It was actually hard for me in a different way. Not hard because I didn't know how to be around black people, but hard because I think, you know, by the time I had reached high school, I already had, like my personality for the most part was set, right? And so I struggled, I think, to find a good group of friends that I could really relate to mm -hmm. um, because I was into things like I was in band, when I was in high school, right? Yeah. And I was in the Latin club when I was in high school and I was on the debate team. And not saying that black people don't do those things because of course we do, we're not a monolith. We right. do all of those things. Yeah. But in the country where I was, <laughs> right, right. Definitely a certain type of black person mm. that did that. And I didn't necessarily fit that type. It was more so of like the bougie black people uh. in the and we weren't those people like my both of my parents worked government jobs and they were we were probably lower middle class right so you know both my parents had to work and we took a vacation a year but it was never like flying anywhere right. we would drive to our vacations right yep. so the black people that were in these things with me were not 
like their parents were like lawyers or doctors and they had a lot more money than we did. So I didn't really fit in with them, but I also didn't fit in with the other black kids who were trying so hard to be hood, which is weird because we're from the country. Right. Nobody's country is hood, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, <laughs> I just always felt like I didn't quite know how to freely be myself. Right. Because I also liked, you know, like I still, when I was in high school, I still watched Disney movies all the time. Yep. Right. Like Cinderella was still my favorite movie probably until I was in 11th grade. One of the best. Right. You know, yep. so, but then at the same time, I was also trying to be hard, quote unquote, <laughs> and um, dress like Aaliyah. Right. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I'm wearing like Doc Martens, baggy jeans, and like a bodysuit with the with the um, the bangs swooped over the side. Right. Right. <laughs> but that really wasn't who I was. So I think in high school I struggled a little bit with my my blackness and how to fully be my full black self. Right. Because you know I also had to still live up to my parents' expectations, which was also very different. Yeah. I think their expectations of me were different than what I, what I thought they should be. Um, because you're also in high school, mm. right? So yeah. you don't know. So in high school, um, when you were trying to, again, find sort of what I would uh, call um, your identity, right? Um, again, growing up in a space that, you know, again, you are one of the few Black people um, and you are now in the space that is more black people. You're trying to find what exactly is your identity. Um, you know, are you this country black, which you don't really interact a lot with uh, the black people, right? Uh, and you were sort of um, there are things that 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 people did, but it was considered like you know you have to be bougie to do those things. Mm-hmm. And then there's the the ghetto blacks. Now you're trying to again be hardcore, dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in all of this, you know, it seems to me like you were just again trying to figure out who you were as an individual, regardless of your skin color, right? Absolutely. Um, at what point did you, or maybe you haven't yet? At what point did you say to yourself? this is who I am going to be um, as a Black individual going forward? Um, it was, oh my gosh, it actually probably wasn't that long ago, honestly. I think that I fully accepted my whole Black self in my early 30s, mm. where I didn't feel like I had to be any one thing as right. a Black person. I didn't have to prove my blackness to anyone. Right. Um, I struggled with that a lot um, throughout my teen years, my twenties. I think right in my early thirties is when I was like, you know what, I got to live life for me. I'm doing the things that I like to do um, regardless. And I actually attribute a lot of that to my mom's sisters. So my mom is one of 10 and she has five other sis, five other, five other sisters, excuse me. Um, and I have an aunt who is like <laughs> the most militant little black woman you could ever meet, 
right? <laughs> so my aunt is like super duper militant. And I remember when I was younger, I used to be scared of her because she would always say these wild things to me as a kid, right? Like <laughs> I would be struggling with trying to do something and she'd be like, oh my God, you're acting like a helpless white woman. Get out of the way. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a little kid. I need help. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Right. But as I got older and I got to know my aunt Mm. a lot better, you know, she made it okay for me to just be myself and be like, look, you don't have to be anything for anybody. You are black. That's your blackness. That's your validation. You're black. Well, you can play tennis if you want to play tennis. You can be on the debate club. You can like Star Wars. Right. Right. Like, and I wasn't like this nerdy black kid that was like, oh, the black kids don't like me. That was never my experience. Right. It was just very different because also when you grow up in the South, you're also expected to be a certain kind of black woman. Right. right? Yeah. At least my generation. We're supposed to know how to cook like really, really good. And I do know how to cook well, Mm. but. I shouldn't have to, right? But you're supposed to know how to throw down in the kitchen. You're supposed to be able to clean your house really well and keep a man. Well, those aren't my aspirations in life. Yep. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) It was really hard um, trying to juggle all of those things. And then my aunt was just like, you don't have to do any of that. Just Mm, be black self because you're black. So that's all you need. Yeah. So yeah, wow. my- yeah, no, that, that 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 that's real. Again, I mean, because there's there's a lot a lot of time people will spend so much of their time trying to be somebody else um, because of what again society thinks that they should be right. So they're busy trying to please somebody else, and you know, and I have to say, like one of the things that you know I most appreciate about you is like you don't really take a lot of crap from anybody. Right. Um, again, like, you know, I met you a couple of years ago and I think it was after you, like you, you're settled in your blackness and you're just like, this is who I am. You take it or leave it. And that's one of the things that I absolutely adore about you because, you know, our conversations are like, um, who does that person think he is? Uh, yeah. Uh-uh. Nope. You ain't doing that over here. <laughs> you know, and it, it's for real refreshing um, having those conversations because it's just like, you don't, you don't get that, you know, from people, right. A lot of people want to please. Um, and again, I don't, I don't feel the need to please people because that's not who I am. Right. Um, you know, and again, that's one of the things I really appreciate about you. So again, Growing up in the VCU, you find yourself um, in Virginia, um, and then you went to college. Um, mm-hmm. What was college like for you, um, you know, a, as a Black person in St. Leo? So I actually went to St. Leo online. I did not go. Got it. In- okay. Okay. So um, I don't have that experience. I <laughs> gotcha. Well, let me, let, let, me, let me put it in a different way. Um, so one of the things that we you and I talked about was sort of the difference between the the quote-unquote ghetto blacks right Mm -hmm. and sort of like the the regular folks black and then there's like the high-end sort of like trophy blacks right um and you know when we when we're in Iowa and we were talking you had mentioned you know there are times that you're like yeah I sort of miss that 
you know, hood black, right? Because, because again, it's, it's refreshing because people are themselves, right? You know, you're walking down the street and you're like, Ooh, girl. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Um, you know, and you know, those are, those are things that, that are refreshing and yeah. that is part of the black culture. Yep. Um, but when you move to Iowa, right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about when you move to Iowa. Um, I, I, I swore there was just this, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just imagining things, but there's this joy that I don't think was there for you. Right. Um, and it was something that like, and I didn't even notice about it. I thought that's who you were when we first met, but when you left Iowa and went to Virginia, <laughs> And then came back, it was like you were a whole different person. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? But then, you know, after a while, like when I got to know you, I was like, wow, Iowa is not really good for you, right? Let's talk about your time at Iowa um, and sort of your struggles as a Black person from the South in Iowa, where it's mostly um, white. Talk yes. to me about that. Yeah, so in Iowa, I really felt out of place for lots of reasons. Mm. Um, I could never really find uh, a community in Iowa. Um, I tried. And I think one of the things, too, is that because we both are at the university, it's a transient place. So people are always coming and going. So as soon as you find like one person that you're like, okay, this can be my friend. This can be my black friend in Iowa. They're gone. (laughs) They're gone. That's what you did to me, by the way. I know. (laughs) But I couldn't, it was, it was very hard for me in, in a different way because there was, there was just nothing there that was familiar to me at all. Um, it was hard for me to make friends because the few Black Americans that I met that were from Iowa were not friendly. They were very closed off. Yep. Um, and they just, it was very like elitist in Iowa. And it was more so of who's your husband or your spouse, where do they work? Where do you live? Where do your kids go to school? How long have your kids known each other? It was a very weird atmosphere. Mm. Um, And then of course, like the, the few black um, people I met that were from Africa, from, you know, different countries in Africa, they left. They were usually residents or fellows, yep. you know, and they were, they had the same experience I did, but then they were out. They were like, I got two years. I'm gone. <laughs> like, right. come on. <laughs> right. So it was a struggle. I found more of a community within different um, African communities than I did with my own black Americans, which was weird for me because it's not like that here in the South, right? It's almost the opposite. Right. right? Um, But in Iowa, I really struggled because people just were not friendly. Black folks weren't friendly to one another. I'd see, you know, black people um, on the street and I'd get so excited and be like, oh my God, there's another black person. And I'd be like, hey, especially if it was a woman, 
nothing crickets wouldn't respond or would look at me like why is she talking to me and I'm like sis it's two of us in this whole spot right know why I'm talking to you right speak back (laughs) you know so it's funny when you say that because I wonder though if that was my experience when I first met you right because I was like I I I I don't know if I want to say anything because what's going to be the reaction, right? Um, you know, because like the experience you talk about, I have experienced that too, right? Because so it's hard for me to, you know, be friends with um, some blacks, especially blacks in Iowa, because it, it seems like they're a bit closed off, right? They don't they don't want to either associate with you um, yep. because for whatever reason, um, you know. And I have experienced that for so long in Iowa that. When I first see a black person, I get excited, but I am hesitant to actually yeah. even approach them or have a conversation. Um, you know, and I'm like, and now thinking about it, I think that was probably the same thing with you. You know, and like I swore, like I saw you for like three months every day, and I never said anything because I'm like, well, you know, she's probably one of the black people that I don't want to be my friend anyway. <laughs> you know. <laughs> No, well, that was my experience immediately. So I was just like, okay, here we go. And that's why I was very miserable. I think for Black people, it's hard for us to go somewhere and not find a community, right? Um, Especially because we are, culturally, I think we, we gravitate towards communities of any kind, right? Like, I don't care where you're from in the world. Most Black people culturally gravitate towards communities. Communities, yep. Yeah, we we have to have someone. You got to have your people, period. You got to have somebody that you can talk about the crazy nonsense that's going on at work or, girl, have you seen the new blah, 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 or let's go, or hey, hey, let's go grab a drink, or let's go. Let's go eat cereal at night. (laughs) 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 You need to feel like you can take off your armor, right? Right. And and be yourself. Yeah, we constantly have on armor, whether we want to admit to it or not. We and we have to because that's how we protect ourselves, right? Because you never know what type of nonsense somebody's coming at you with. Right. Um, Especially in the work world, right? The further, the higher up the ladder you go, you're always going to deal with some nonsense. Mm. You're going to deal with someone who thinks you're not qualified or um, they know you're qualified and overqualified and that they're mediocre. So they're trying to make you look bad Mm. or they're always trying to test you some kind of way. And that gets hard. And I think that's what I found in Iowa that I always felt like I was having to prove myself, not only to the white people, but to black folks. Yep. And it was just exhausting. So I was not happy. I was miserable. I didn't have, like, it's one thing. And Ed, I love you dearly, but you're not a woman, right? Yep, yep, you're right. You're right. Yep. (laughs) It's one thing to have, like, my brother, have you as my brother there. and We can key, key, key and ha ha. But there's some things that I need a Black woman to be able to talk to about as well. Right. And 
you know, not having that until much, much later when I met Dromi, right? right? <laughs> By that time, you already be gone anyway. <laughs> right. At that time, I was right. like, it was too late. <laughs> it was too late. I was yeah. like, I'm ready to leave. Yeah. Because you feel like you have no one that you can confide in. And that gets very lonesome. It does. It does get very lonely. Oh man, like so much to unpack. I mean, so like in the workplace, um, you were talking about, you know, you have to prove yourself over and over and over again. Um, and sometimes it becomes very exhausting, right? It gets to a point and you're like, oh, wait, I deserve to be here. I am smarter than, you know, half of these people. I know what I'm doing, but why is it so hard for them to accept, you know, who I am and accept the fact that I am really good at my job, right? Um, you know, I imagine, you know, the space that you work, um, you know, in neurology, you know, you work with a lot of physicians and doctors. And well, first of all, um, this new age physician, they have this, you know, God complex that, you know, they're a God gift to, you know, humanity or whatever. Um, and not all doctors, I'm not saying all doctors like that, but again, the, the younger generation, um, they tend to be like that, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience working with um, uh, patient care providers and that complex of, well, you know, I am, I am saving lives and I'm doing this um, and you are not doing that. So you are less of a human because of that. So what I will say is actually in neurology, I didn't have a lot of that. Not a lot, some, but not a lot. Okay. Um, Neurologists are very different, not neurosurgeon, neurosurgeons, yeah. they're not surgeons, right? We're talking about just straight out neurologists, not the ones that are doing procedures. They're actually a very empathetic group for the most part. Okay. Um, and I worked with some, actually some really great people in adult neurology, not gonna lie. Did mm. not have too much of an issue with that. There were some, of course, that were thought that they walked on water. Mm. Um, and those ones, I actually, I think the easiest way that I dealt with them was to give them the same energy that they gave me, right? And I think right. once you yep. establish that, at least as a Black woman, once I established that as Black Karanda, right. <laughs> <laughs> have as many issues there were always still issues where they tried to put me in my place yeah right so to speak and I will say that one of my saving graces was that I had a really great um, ad, um, administration team that okay. empowered me to be able to say no no this is what we're doing and I have the backing of the chair and the division head right mm, okay. but that was an adult neurology. I didn't have the same experiences in child neurology, which you would think would be opposite, right? Right. right. Um, that was very difficult for me, being in that position. Um, that was also, I think, um, when I first got here, and I was still trying to settle into Iowa, right. and having lots of different personnel issues that I was dealing with, and. Um, just personality issues, you know, not mine, but people thinking that I was mean. Yep. And, and you know me, I'm not mean, right? Right. 
um, people thinking that like, oh, she needs to fix her face. And I was like, no, I actually don't need to fix my face. <laughs> this is my face. Right. This is your <laughs> face. Yep. <laughs> right. Like I'm not smiling. I'm not shucking and jiving to make you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. We are having a hard conversation and we're going to have it. Right. right. Yep. So I actually did deal with that more so when I was over on that side, but on the adult side, I think I had actually gotten to the point too, where I was more sure of myself, Yeah. where some of these doctors, I kind of just let it roll off my back and was like, Hey, so this is what we're doing. Okay. Or, Hey, this is what we're not doing. If you're going to start yelling, I'm leaving. Right. That's it. Yep. <laughs> you want to start yelling meetings over. Call me when you've calmed down. Right. When you want to talk like human being. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I think that's how I dealt with it. A lot of that stuff, I think, also just comes with maturity and time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is hard when you have, like, white men yelling in a meeting mm-hmm. and they're trying to push you, right? So that's something that I've experienced a lot, either... Well, not, not so much as white men, but white women try to push me to like blow up so I can be the angry black woman. The angry one. Yeah. Yep. Right. So it's like, you can scream and holler at me and act a fool with me. But if I reciprocate, right now it's a problem. Now we got to go to HR. Why? <laughs> you yep. were just over here yelling. But if I yell at you now and you're scared, why are you scared? I wasn't scared. <laughs> you decided to act a fool. I'm just giving you what you give back. Right. right. So I think what was hard for me too is learning not to do that. Yeah. Is letting people just kind of make fools of themselves. What's the <laughs> saying? What's the saying, um, Ed, that two people what is it? If you see two people arguing from afar, you can't tell. Who is the bigger fool? Yeah, something like, <laughs> something that. like that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So you just let people, you know, yep. that was hard for me Back. as a black woman because I always didn't want to feel like somebody was testing my gangster. You right. know, <laughs> <laughs> just sit here in this meeting and talk to me crazy. And I'm just supposed to sit here with a smile on my face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> You gotta just let people go. Yep, it's true. It's true. I mean, again, a lot of times, you know, I mean, I think, um, again, I don't know if you know people um, know this, but there are people out there that intentionally pushes buttons, right? Mm -hmm. You know, especially um, you know someone in my role in your role. There are people who push your buttons oh, to get yes. reactions out of you, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, from my experience, it's usually I get that more from sort of um, the white, uh, white people than, you know, black people, right? Black people okay. do it too, but, you know, it just seems like black, white people want to do that more because yeah. they want to push your limits, right? They want yeah. to do things to see, oh, how far can I push this person to break, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and I never got that again, like after, you know, just like you, um, you know, late in, in my thirties, when I finally realized that, oh my God, like, why do I bother pleasing yep. these individuals That's or right. people? Um, there was just this freedom, right? You get this freedom of, 
oh, yeah. I don't have to put up with this crap anymore. <laughs> right? Go ahead. Push my buttons. I double dare you to push my button because right. I'm going to make you f- feel like you're a fool. <laughs> right? Right. Yep. And it's crazy because, you know, when you get there, um, it's so much freeing that you're able to actually be yourself That's all right. the time and not yeah. worry about what somebody else is going to say or, you know, do that is going to upset you today. Uh, you know, so you just kind of brush things off. <laughs> and you know what else I found, Ed? I found that the older I've gotten, the less code switching I do. Mm, yep. So I used to code switch, boy, let me tell you something. (laughs) Hi, you've called VCU Department of Neurology. This is Karanta. How may I help you? Now, none. None. (laughs) The voice that y'all getting right now is the voice they get. Now, I mean, obviously you can't show up as like your full self as you would when you're chilling with your homies. Right. Same time. I'm not code switching for you guys anymore. I'm not doing it. Like, they don't do it for us. It's true. This right, because they don't have to code switch, right? You don't, and I right. also learned that, like you said, I deserve to be where I am. Yeah. I've worked my butt off. I have worked so hard in my life, my career to get where I am yep. that I have nothing to prove to people who are, you know, above me, below me, or beside me. Mm-hmm. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. That's it. If y'all don't like it, that's too bad. This that's is who bad, you, yeah. <laughs> right? This is who you get. But once again, I think as Black Americans, we just, I don't know. It, it, it's so hard because we've been fed this narrative our whole right. lives right. that, you know, we have to always, if you want to make it, like, and this, this part is true. If you want to make it, you have to work twice as hard. And we do have to work twice as hard in America. Yep, absolutely. But, you know, that is exhausting. And so we don't know how to fully show up as ourselves. I think we're finally learning that. Yep. I am starting to see a shift in that in Black people. Yep. Um, but it is exhausting, Ed. Like, it's so tiresome <laughs> to seriously just like be one person when you're with your white co-workers or in your white world and then be another person when you're in you know your full self and your black world right. it's crazy no other race has to do that have to do that yep, yep. nobody yeah, yeah so let's talk a little bit about cool switching because i don't think um again there there's a lot of white people who don't understand what code switching is right um can you explain a little bit the concept of code switching um and you know why as black people we have to do that <laughs> Absolutely. So code switching is basically when you water yourself down, you water your blackness down to make white people feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. right? You don't show up as your full self. You show up as a version of yourself that they are comfortable with. Right. We do that to make them comfortable, right? Because we have been proven time and time again, that if you don't, then you're, you're, they're scared, right? That's how they go to HR on you and say stuff like, Oh my gosh, she was so aggressive. I don't understand. Like, you know, she was just, she wasn't, whatever it is, you know, like it's always the aggressive, you're angry, 
um, yep. whatever, you know, whatever it is. So we tone ourselves down. We change our voices. You know, we usually. <laughs> Your attitude. Your attitude. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. The way is different. Um, you're not as relaxed. You're tight. You're holding it all together. You're tight. Um, you're just not your full authentic self. You're giving people a version of yourself that they can accept. Right. The white yeah. people, a version of yourself that they right. can accept. Yep. Yep. It's interesting because like, so there are times that when I go to work, um, you know, I, I, I have to look presentable, right? Because again, I got into this practice of, you know what, people see me. And I have to dress and I like dressing nice, right? Oh, like, nice it, it, makes me, that, yes. it makes me feel good. I like accessorizing yeah. yep. you know, my, oh, hat, my scarf and everything. Like I like looking nice. Um, but it's crazy because when I get home, I just want to be comfortable, right? Yes. So there are times that I ran into people outside of work, like mm-hmm. in a store or something mm-hmm. that I am dressed up you know, like my normal comfy self and then just walk on by like they don't know me. Right. And I will usually say, oh, hi, you know, and there's there's a second look. There's a second take like, oh, wait, Eddie, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, it is Eddie. It's like, oh, I didn't even recognize you. Right. (laughs) You know, and it's it's crazy to think that, um, you know, as a black man or as a black individual, I have to do these things mm-hmm. to be accepted in different spaces, or I have to do these things just in order for me to be successful, right? right. Um, meanwhile, people show up at work every day dressed up however they want to dress up. Looking crazy. Right. And Looking that's okay. Like <laughs> that's yeah. okay. Right. But yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> no, no, we can't. And you know, what was one thing that was really hard for me too, Ed. So my natural hair, yep. right? Yep. So I've had, my hair has been natural and I, I shouldn't say it's hard for me because it actually hasn't been hard for me. My hair has been natural. The better part of my adult life. I, um, oh my gosh, I think not yet yeah, since 20. So 21 years it has been since I've had any like chemical straighteners in my hair. Now I have definitely colored my hair. So I'm not saying it's virgin hair, but I definitely love a little color here and there. But, you know, I started out with locks and I had locks for almost 16 years. And then I cut those out and I had my little tapered cut. And I've just always been natural since I've been in the workforce. And I think one of the things that saved me is when I first went natural, I actually worked at a um, non-for-profit Catholic hospital. And this was the first time I tried to start my locks. And it was so funny because I had the little coils in and one of the black girls I worked with, no one said anything to me about my hair except one of the black girls. And she was like, oh my God, your hair looks like worms. That's ridiculous. Why are you here looking like that? And I was so oh, embarrassed. Man. I was really young. I was 20. Wow. I was really young. No, I was 21. I was 21 at that time. I was really young. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I put on a head, a head wrap. Right. And she reported me 
and they made me take my head wrap off because it wasn't like a it wasn't like a um a do-rag it wasn't like you know a silk scarf it was a legit yep. that's when like Erica Badu was out and I was wearing I was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Erica Badu first came out yep. and they, and they were like well unless it's for religious reasons you can't wear it so I was like all right fine bump it so I took it out combed out my coils the next day and just wore an afro and was like y'all got a problem with this and just (laughs) and just had his afro for a while I had my Angela Davis afro and then I started my locks on my own and didn't care right I was just like whatever there's nothing they can say and I mean they could have said something because you know this was before you know, women weren't really, at least in the South, women weren't really going natural at this time. Um, We certainly weren't starting locks. There weren't a lot of us starting locks. But since I think I've been in my adult career, I've always had natural hair. So I've never been, that part has never scared me. I know there are some Black women that are terrified to wear their natural hair to work, which is ridiculous. Not that they're terrified, but the fact that they're terrified, right? Because you don't know how you're gonna be accepted. But, you know, for me, it's always just been like, I've never thought about it. I've never thought about, is that the reason I didn't get a job? Because it's just part of who I am. Right, yep. No, absolutely right. Because again, if you look at in the professional world, um, like Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with uh, um, one of the, 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 the 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 first black lawyers um female lawyers here at the university of iowa at the law school and you know she had talked about the the concept of straight hair right so if you look at um uh michelle obama right powerful mm-hmm. lady wonderful lady um, yep. a role model for a lot of women but the whole four years that she was in office she always wore her hair straight right yep. But recently, um, you know, there was a picture that came out of her just natural, her hair, yeah. natural curly hair, and she was absolutely, you know, gorgeous, right? Yeah, yep. you know, but, you know, and then the question became, you know, a lot of professional women, Black women in the professional space, they never actually let their hair down or their natural hair um, show. They always have to wear their hair straight, just like, um, um, like the white people's hair, right? Because yes. nice, straight, yep. you know, get it all combed out. Um, but then when they go home on the weekends, you see them and like, oh wait, yep. you have curly hair? Uh-huh. Like, what? Is, w- w- what's going on with that? Your curly hair is absolutely fantastic. Gorgeous. Why are you wearing your hair straight, right? But again, they have to do it because they're in that space that their natural hair is not acceptable. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so I am again, enjoying this conversation. Like always, uh, I miss you having you around you being in my office, like going out for walks around campus and yes. just talking up the storm. Um, I, I have to ask though, um, you're a black woman. Your yep. name is Coranda Lee. <laughs> Right. I mean, you're Coranda Lee. Well, first of all, have you been have you been in a situation that, you know, somebody thought, okay, Coranda Lee, there's no way Coranda Lee is a black woman. And then they saw you and they're like, oh, are you sure you're Coranda Lee? Because (laughs) Coranda Lee is not a black woman's name. (laughs) Well, it is a black woman's name because it sure is. 
but um, I don't think so. So this is why I think probably you think that Ed, because you're not from the South. Mm, yeah. He is a very, very um, common name in the South. Um, okay. And it's a slave name. That's why. So um, yeah. It. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So think of like, General Robert E. Lee type. Ah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's why you see lots of like Jacksons and Washingtons. Yes. Makes yeah, sense. For black folks. Makes sense. <laughs> so look exactly. at that. I, I, I just learned so much in like two seconds. <laughs> you know, and that yeah. I'm, I don't know. That, that's, yeah, that, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's does make a lot of sense. What they did to us, you know, they brought us over and stripped, of us, stripped us of everything name, culture, and, you know, um, languages. And mm. here we are with names yeah. don't belong to us. I mean, belong to us because. I shouldn't say don't belong to us because they do belong to us because yep. my ancestors absolutely earned these names. Um, their blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. But wow. it's still very, it's, it's hurtful and it's sad. And I know we're going somewhere else in this conversation, but to know that I don't know where my, where my people came from. Yeah, I mean, there's only so far back, and I've tried to look far back in my in our ancestry. You can only go so far back, and it hurts, right? You know, it's just a very odd thing. It's yeah. it's it's more than odd. No, it's more than odd. It's not odd. It is white supremacy. It was done on purpose. You know, it was it was an attempted genocide. Mm. Well, um, and, and it's crazy because you know I've talked to several people on this podcast, and you are not the only individual, the first person that have said that, right? Um, stripping, you know, um, you know, blacks of their identities or stripping them of you know who they are, um, and even you know even talking about the the police the police brutality and not doing anything or putting measures or laws in place to enforce um, all of these bad things happen to black people, right? Again, if you look at it, that is genocide, right? Um, and somebody had mentioned that, you know, th they're slowly trying to kill off black people or just tell them, hey, you don't belong here. This yeah. is not where you belong and go back to where you came from. <laughs> well, tell me where right? I came from. Let's start with that. Right. Tell me where I came from, number one. Number two, when white people say that to me, I like to ask them, how long has your family been here? Because I can guarantee you my ancestors yep. have probably been here longer than yours. Yep. So actually, this is more my country than it's yours. Matter of fact, not your country either. Because right. this country was stolen. This land was stolen from right. indigenous folks. So yep. let's not get into that game, right? <laughs> right, yeah. That, that will set me way <laughs> on <Like>, fire. <laughs> that's the thing. And I think something that people don't understand, especially for Black people as a whole, and I could be wrong because I can't speak for all Black people, right. but I think that we are very familial people, right? So we need that tie. Right. to something right you feel that tie you want those the ties that bond right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or the bond yeah the ties are bond 
Yeah. So I was like, did I say that right? I did. So you did. we need that, right? And we don't have it. Imagine, imagine if someone took you, Ed, right? From mm-hmm. your home in Ghana. Yep. Took you away from all your family. Let's imagine that you didn't speak English, right? right? That yep. you speak Twi, right? Yep. Twi? Yep. And, but they put you in the middle of England, right? With no one else, with other people from different countries in Africa, but you don't all speak the same language. Right. They yep. take your culture, your food, your name, your language. And then they say, good luck. <laughs> After they rape, pillage, yep. beat down. You got and nothing left. Yeah. You have nothing left. Yep. But still, as Black people, they can't kill us because there's something in us that will not die. We are always going to survive no matter what they do. And they hate that about us. Right. They absolutely hate that about us. And something that I think you and I have talked about before is this narrative that people like to perpetuate that, oh, people from Africa don't like Black Americans. Mm. That's BS. <laughs> I've never had that experience. I really haven't. I've never had that experience, right? Yep. Um, I think that's a narrative because they don't want us to, to learn our culture. And I think that Black people are returning to their culture and we're trying to find out like the year of return was what two years ago now yep exactly yeah no that that, that was a powerful movement Um, it it was great like I said I think you and I had this conversation about I'm like I am taking you to Ghana because (laughs) you need you you need to go to Ghana with me um and we just need to take you back home so you can Mm -hmm. explore like what it is like to be black in Ghana. Yes. There's still, you know, white privilege in Ghana, right? Because oh, again, the people of Ghana, you know, they see white people and they're like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is blah, 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 blah. But again, but you know, there is this true freedom um, in Ghana that I can just, you know, go about my business without somebody looking at me or thinking differently of me. Um, Again, it's just powerful, the whole year of returning, you know, especially Blacks, you know, migrating back to African countries and finding their roots and understanding truly what their culture is. I mean, it's it's something that we can spend, you know, so much time talking about. Um, But yeah, anyway, you know, this conversation, though, has been real. Um, This is why I miss you so much. Um, And, you know, I can't wait for you to come back and visit. Uh, We just need to sit down, eat some breakfast at night and just, you know, continue our conversation. I'm definitely going to have you back um, on the show uh, and talk more. and, you know, again, there, there's a lot that we need to detangle in, in, from yeah. our Black identities, right? Um, and it's just, you know, you know, for me, you know, talking about it and educating people is the least we can do. Because, you know, honestly, there are people who honestly don't know, you know, that there's really different shades of Blackness, right? Yeah. You know, they see Black people and they think all Black people are the same. Yeah, no, hashtag not all Black people are the same, right? You know. Yeah. Oh, we have different backgrounds. We come from different places. We have different stories, and you know, it's just it's it's amazing just talking or just listening to other Black folks tell their stories because it's all so unique, right? And that's what makes us special. That's what makes us beautiful, 
And um, you, my friend, my sister, I, it has been an honor just being in your presence because you're a breath of fresh air and I love you dearly and I can't wait to see you again. Karanda Akuli, you're on the edge with Eddie. Before I let you go though, I am gonna give you one minute to send a message out to the world anything, what do you want to tell the world? If you have one minute to tell the world something, what do you want to tell the world? Think about it. I'm going to give you some background music. <laughs> make it happen. What do you want to tell the world? Um, I think my message to the world is that we could all be a little bit kinder to one another, a little more understanding, and have a little bit more empathy. I think that, you know, we all need to realize that we are all fighting our own battles, regardless of what we look like, where we come from, how much money we have or don't have. Um, so we all just need to give everyone just a little bit more grace throughout their day. Right on, right on, right on. Hey, be kind to one another, one another, love one another. Again, we're all human beings. Let's just treat people with kindness and just love, right? Because, you know, love is just the source of everything and understanding and just, you know, treating people like they're all humans. You're on the edge with Eddie, Detangled Black Identities. I'm your host, Eddie Etty. Thank you for joining us. My girl, Coranda, love you, love you. I will talk to you later. It has been a pleasure and that's it. It's a wrap. Yep, let's do it again. Let's do it, all right. (laughs) 